I'm matchmaker Maria, the founder of Agape Match. For over a decade, I've combined four generations of family matchmaking tradition with modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, I answer your dating and relationship questions and interview experts to give you the tools to find or keep the love of your life. This is Ask a Matchmaker. Welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria, and this week's hotline episode has a very special guest. It is the director of relationship science at Hinge and the author of one of my favorite dating books, How to Not Die Alone, Logan Uring. Yay. Hotline. Let's do it. I'm so excited. I had you on last season and that was like such a fun episode. If you haven't heard it, yeah, you need to go back to season two. It's like towards the end. Uh, I think we recorded like in May or June of 2022. Um, That was such a fun episode to have. And I am so happy you're here for a hotline. So I think this is your first time coming to a hotline. Yeah. Which is where you get like, yeah, you get live questions. We get questions together. We give live answers. Um, But before we get those questions, let's have a conversation. Uh, How's it going? How are things going? Great. Yeah. Things at Hinge are great. Um, What are we thinking about? Lots of cool stuff on non-monogamy. I have been teaching my class, which is outside of Hinge, but it's called Propel. And I just had the last one tonight. So just coming from that, we had our little closing ceremony and a little party. It was really fun. Things are good. That's awesome. Is Propel like a virtual course or is it in person? Yeah. It's a Zoom dating boot camp. It's two it. weeks. And yeah, I'll probably have another one later this summer. But today was the last day. So it's it's happy, but it's also sad because I got totally close to the people. And yeah, it was a great experience. I totally get it. So as you know, I also have a virtual boot camp, the Coffee Intensive. It happens every month. And I am, it's like torture the last hour. Uh, it's sad. Like, you know, you get, yeah, you yeah, get connected yeah. to these women, totally. but you know, yeah. I, I know I'll see some this summer. I have a retreat in Greece. Uh, I am announcing in the show notes today, the retreat to Tulum. I have Ooh, pre-registration starting for that. So amazing. that's going to be fun. Um, so, and then last time I spoke to, I think this was like a week before your wedding or did you just mm, get married? Mm-hmm, I forget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I got married in 2020, but I had my like big post pandemic COVID post COVID celebration last summer. So yeah, I had like the big wedding in June, 2022. And how's newly, I'm going to pretend you're newlyweds, but yeah. how's newlywed life? I don't, I don't feel like a newlywed. We've been together for eight years. I feel like we're really connected and yeah, just like, like we're partners and yeah, things are good. Yeah. I feel like I have a very similar answer to that question because I feel like nothing should really change that much post, you know, marriage. Like if it's a, I feel like, and maybe you have a different perspective, but I feel like if it's like a strong partnership, then you were having the serious conversations before the ring got on your finger. Yeah. I mean, I think when you've been together for eight years, it doesn't make a huge difference, but I do really like being married. I like using the word husband. I more than I thought I would, it just feels Uh like you're very committed. And so I think there's just a sense of we're doing this, we're in it. We've committed in front of our family and friends. I've actually really enjoyed being married, but I wouldn't say that our relationship feels that different, but I do like the public commitment part of it. Right. So, um, last time I had you on, uh, we kind of glazed over what dating should be like. And one of the things that we agreed on, um, of the many things is Mm. that, uh, dating should be less questions and more about conversation. Mm -hmm. And I feel like since that, I feel like I've been coaching more on that too, on my Mm. end. Yeah. Tell me. Yeah. What does that sound like? So I recently gave this advice, um, And I I did it today during an agape intensive as well, but I've been giving this advice of like, here are a list of questions that you need to ask yourself so that you are better prepared for future dates, not to ask those questions to other people, but to have the answers to certain Mm -hmm. tough conversations. And by tough, I mean like emotional investment conversations that way, because you know how you feel about certain things your conversations don't have to be a reaction. And so let me give you an example, right? Um, one of the questions like I would tell you to think about is like, you know, 
I think our generation, it has to think a little bit, maybe it's because I have a personal experience, but I'm seeing it among my friends more and more. But I think our generation has to think a little bit more about elder care. You know, what happens when our parents get sick? Um, you know, or do you want to save to buy a home or do you want to save for your children to get college education one day? Like these are pretty serious mm-hmm. financial decisions. And I think asking those questions to yourself among many other questions, right. Um, can, and answering them, like writing down your answers. I think it can be helpful in just having that as part of your like dating toolkit. So that when those conversations arise, like I said before, it's not a reactionary conversation. It's like a thoughtful answer can come from that. And it, I think it makes people feel less anxious. Like, oh my God, was that the right thing? Well, no, it was right for you before you met this person. Why would it be different now? Um, but what do you think about that? Yeah, I had a really good coaching conversation with a client on Tuesday and I really like her. I love her personality. Like we generally vibe well together on the call, but this one was really interesting because she was talking about how she doesn't always open up on dates and it's harder for her to be vulnerable. And we really got into what does that mean? Like, it's one thing on Instagram to be like, Hey, be vulnerable on a date. But like when you're working one-on-one with with somebody, what does it actually sound like? And so we really talked about, well, what are topics that she can go deep on? What are hot takes that she has? How can she share more about her life? And we got into this conversation around facts versus stories Mm. And how she's been sharing a lot of facts, but like nobody goes home at night and is like, hmm, glad I met her. She has a brother, but they might remember a story about like, oh, her brother lives far away. And this is her experience not being near her niece and nephew and just what it looks like to share. Because we can be like, oh, I shared a lot about myself, but it's actually you're just sharing facts or things that are not vulnerable for you. And what does it actually mean to be like, hey, this is part of me that you could reject. This is a thought that I have that I'm playing with. And so we really went through like multiple topics where I was like, okay, like, you know, what do you think about friendship when a lot of people are having kids and it's harder to keep in touch or, um, you know, how do you, we did talk about like the aging parents thing. And so it was just sort of developing the muscle within her of how do I think about a topic, go deep on it and then share something. And then at some point she was sharing too much. And I was like, I actually think that that would be too much for a first date. That's like a 10 out of 10 share. I want you in the like five or six out of 10 share. And so just really getting into the weeds on what does it mean to be vulnerable on a date? What type of stuff should you share? How does it make you come across? And I believe in preparing. I don't think it's over the top. You're not like writing a script that you memorize. You don't have index cards, but I think just developing some topics that help you reveal who you are and make the person feel like they got to know you. I think that's a really valid conversational muscle, like Mm -hmm. totally like that's yeah. You know, a new thing I've been working on too is like, well, it's not new. I've been doing this. I've been thinking about this for a few years um, and like working on it and developing it is like learning how to talk about what you need to unlearn. So mm, like, I cool. think about my parents a lot, right? Like, yeah. you know, all of our parents for the most part teach us not only, or they don't like, they're not, they teach us how to kind of be human. Right. So they teach us like, here's what it's like to be in a relationship. And I'm not saying it's a good relationship. You mm-hmm. see them, they're in a relationship. And then that's something that you might emulate and you might be mm-hmm. a poor, uh, behavior in a relationship because of your parents teaching you how to be very poor in a relationship, right? This could be generational. Um, And there's other things, right? Like spending habits, critical thinking, politics, religion, like so many things that our parents teach us as they're parenting us uh, consciously and and not consciously, right? So one of the things that I have had to unlearn is like, and I, I think about this all the time when I find a trigger, right? So I'll find myself getting triggered by like, let's say, um, maybe the way, like maybe my mom's like, I'm, trying, I'm not trying to pick on my parents right now, um, but let's say like money, right? Like I yeah. find myself um, very triggered by the idea of like, okay, what's let's talk about our savings. Like, what did I, what did I not learn from my parents? Mm-hmm. And my parents never taught me how to use money. Mm-hmm. And as a result, like as a young adult, I really struggled. I think a lot of people struggle in this because I'm not the only one that has not been taught about money. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, right. No, no one in school. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and also me saying this out loud, some people 
might be thinking like, oh my God, I don't know. I've never been taught Mm -hmm. money. So in that, it's like, I had to like kind of educate myself. And now it's like, I need my kids to learn what I'm learning so that they can, you know, whatever. I don't know what the right words are after this, but essentially it's like I learning how to unlearn, but then also communicating that to a partner that's really vulnerable. Like talking about, you know, you don't want to like speak ill of your parents if you have a good relationship with your parents. Yeah, yeah. We also have to be like, yeah, they weren't perfect. Yeah. I I've seen a lot of good opening questions like that. Things like, um, you know, which of your parents do you feel like you're more like and why, or which parent would you want to be more like and why? I like, I, I feel like we could come up with the fun one from what you talked about, like um, in what ways are your parents role models and in what, in what, in which ways are they not? Yeah. I think I'd love to ask you this because I like those questions, but I also feel like we're a little flooded with them. I feel like there's a lot of card games out there. There's oh, I would never lot. ask these questions like yeah, in yeah. the first five days. I know, I know, I but I would eat my, like six weeks in a long walk. And yeah, no, my where I'm going with it is like I feel like so many people always ask me, like, how do I skip the small talk and have these deeper conversations on dates? But then they don't want to seem like they are using any sort of like we're not really strangers card deck. What do you say to your uh people that you coach around? That? I try ask no questions. So I feel like in the first five dates, it should just be as much conversation as possible. You shouldn't be asking any questions. And it should be like, as if, I think we talked about this last time, like when you're on a date, you should be talking as if you just entered the middle of a conversation. Oh my God, I cannot believe this restaurant. Mm -hmm. I thought about coming here with my girlfriend. She's amazing. Let me tell you about how we met, like just start talking. And then hopefully- But don't you feel like questions are part of a conversation? Yeah. If they're natural, if they're like natural questions, I can't stand the like, so what was the last concert you went to? Yeah. 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 That's a bad one. I do think that people need help though, in what to talk about on a first date, because I think questions are a big part of that. And so it's sort of like, you don't want to ask like the, where did you go to school? What did you study? That's super boring. You don't want to ask the index card question of like, um, you know, what did you, what do you want to unlearn from your parents? So it's like somewhere in the middle. I can tell you the questions that I ask, like my clients that are my favorite. So like my favorite question, like my two favorite questions to ask my clients, um, is actually I have three. So my first question that is my favorite is like, if I were to call your friends right now, what would they say about you? Yeah, that's cute. That's like my favorite because it'll kind of show Mm -hmm. you like what they hope you see in them. Totally. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really nice way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I like asking like, what would your friends say about you for sure? But I'm hoping they'd also tell me about their friends. Oh, okay. Yeah. You want that? You want that intel? Um, The second question that I love asking is um, if (laughs) this is a little intimate, but it's like, if you had a girlfriend, so if I was talking to men or a woman, doesn't matter. Um, So let's just say if you had a girlfriend or boyfriend, if you had a partner right now, what would you do this weekend? Mm, That's fine. And I, you can learn so much about someone when you like pose the question like that. Yeah. Cause it's like, suddenly it's like, it's no longer about like, I wish I had someone to do fun things with. Oh, I have someone. Here's all the fun things I want to do with them. Or they don't have an answer. And then that kind of is your answer. There you go. That, Hey, that is an answer. Yeah. Um, and then the third question I like asking if we want to talk about religion is like, I like to ask what religion were you raised? Mm-hmm. Cause I don't want to assume someone has a religion. And then I'll ask them, what is your relationship with that religion right now? Because that's interesting that that's in your top yeah. three. Oh yeah. Cause you can learn so much about someone's culture too. Like in that way. Cause some people will say yeah. stuff like, oh, I was raised like in my case, I was raised Greek Orthodox. Um, uh, but that doesn't mean anything to me. Like I've dated men who shared the faith that my husband and I have, but it didn't amount to anything because not because they didn't have a good relationship with their faith. It's just like the way they started talking about it just became like a little like, oh, this is a little too intense for me or it's just one thing. Yeah. One thing that's interesting about that is recently somebody was asking me if they should put astrology on their profile for hinge. And I was like, my gut is that if you put it, it makes it seem like you care about it. So put it if you care about it. And then he was like, well, I don't really care, but I feel like women who might like me might care. Oh, a care. guy asked you this? A guy asked me. He was like, I don't know. I'm setting up a hint. Oh. Should I have my- I kind of like that actually. For should I have this? And then I was like, I think it makes you seem like you care. So like for this question, it's like, if one of your questions is around religion, it might make you seem like you care a lot about religion. So just mm. anyway- 
I don't really have a strong opinion on that. Just throwing it out there. These are matchmaker questions. Anyway, I don't know if I would ask that on a date anymore, but, <laughs> uh, but these are my favorite questions, but that's so interesting that I got. So what did he end up doing? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, I live in the Bay area. So like, I'm definitely interacting with people who are more into like a woo woo scene and also people that are just like aware that that's kind of really big in dating right now. Did you say, what did he end up doing? Yeah. I don't know if he put it on his profile. I should ask him, but I think when I said like by putting it on there, it seems like you care. I think he was like, all right, I'm not going to put it on there. And if they want to ask me, they can. What's your favorite prompt on hinge. I really like the one, uh, my typical Sunday or a typical Sunday It's It's kind of getting at the same thing that you talked about. It's like, paint a picture for me of your life. And it's so helpful. And like, there's so many fun places to get specific. Um, I really, I really like that one. I feel like it's not overly complicated and it just lets you take it in a fun direction. My favorite one is two truths and a lie, but as long as the lie is truth adjacent. Yeah. I feel like that's, that's a a good strategy for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that's definitely, but my second favorite is totally like, what's your typical Sunday? Um, I, I don't know. I feel like, oh, and then you guys, I feel like this is recent. You released like a poll. Oh yeah. The polls are really fun. Like when I, when people use them and use them well, they're great. And it's, I think somebody was like, which first date do you want to take me on? And then had a number of them. And it's like, all right, we're already like planning the first date. I just feel like it's a chance to show creativity, take up more space. I'm a fan of it. How many users are currently using that feature? I don't have any research on that, oh, but okay. I am, okay. I am a fan of the, of the feature. How about audio? So you can only choose, can you only, can you choose audio and poll or is this like one feature you can use on a profile? No, there's a lot that you can choose. We don't make you choose. And in fact, like we've added more things. So there's dating intentions where you can talk about whether you're looking for something serious or not relationship type. Are you looking for monogamy or not, or still figuring it out? So there's actually just like more and more spaces to share. This is what I'm about. This is what I'm looking for. So that like at a glance, you can tell so that if you're just like, Hey, I've been interacting with a lot of people who are non-monogamous and that's not for me. You don't have to like fall for somebody and then have can that you conversation filter that out. I can't remember if you can filter it out or not. I don't remember, but um, you can definitely that, like tell by looking at someone's profile. Has that, you know, you're mentioning non-monogamy. I feel like I get this question a lot and I don't know how to answer it either because I don't, people are like, what are your thoughts? And I'm like, I literally yeah. don't have any. Um, but I'm wondering what you think. Like, I don't know how much data you're allowed to share, but I am curious, like is non-monogamy that the feature of it, like the feature of the, the selection of it, is it becoming more popular and yeah. among which generation or which age range? Sure. Yeah. I can share what I do know about it, which is that when I started at Hinge, we didn't have a non-monogamy feature and we had conversations about it, but it was like, it wasn't necessarily something that Hinge was prioritizing. And then we found over the last three years that more and more people were putting non-monogamy or ethical non-monogamy or ENM in their profile. So there was just like people using their precious real estate in their profiles to talk about wanting non-monogamy. And so then we were like, all right, let's do a research project into this. And so we found by far the majority of Hinge users want monogamy, but 15% of Gen Z and 15% of LGBTQ plus users want non-monogamy or are still figuring it out. And so now you can select that. So it's like the clear majority is saying monogamy. Yeah. 15% of each of those groups and it's growing. So I think it's really what does dating look like right now? This is a conversation people are having. I don't have a gender breakdown on that. I haven't seen that. If you ever do, will you ever share it? Yeah. I mean, we may, we may have that research internally. I just haven't seen that. I'm one. I hear from a lot more women that they keep seeing men post about ENM. Yeah. And I'm wondering if how much of that 50% is predominantly male. Yeah. I'm not sure, but you know, I can tell you from my coaching, I've had plenty of women I've worked with who are Mm non-monogamous who are opening up their relationship or who just really identify as non-monogamous. So I've really seen people of all genders exploring it. Wow. So you coach people that are interested in non-monogamy? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say that, oh, it's my specialty and somebody should come to me for that. But like I was working with a woman 
for a while. And then, you know, she dated multiple people. And then the, one of the guys that she was dating was non-monogamous and she was interested in exploring that. We had a lot of conversations around like, what does this mean to you? How does this align with your goals? Are you doing it for the right reasons? And she just really convinced me. She was just like, I really want to do this. This is for me. And I was like, great, you seem empowered. And she just grew so much her communication skills, her coping skills. She just, it just really was a great thing for her at that time. And so it's not like somebody has to be like, I'm doing a major life shift. It's like, Hey, I met someone, they're non-monogamous. I'm going to explore this. And I I really think being in the Bay area, it's so destigmatized here, especially like among queer friends. It's like the default is not that you're going to be in a closed relationship. So I'm really a fan of it. I feel like I think that's awesome that there's a resource. Like now that I know that I, I, cause I don't know enough. I don't, unfortunately. Oh yeah. There's no, it's totally worth I just don't encounter it here. You know? Yeah. There's great books on it. There's great podcasts. I, the way that I think about it is like so many things have been disrupted. People are more fluid in their gender identity, their sexual orientation, so many parts of life are more fluid. Like it makes sense to me that relationships would become more fluid too. It doesn't mean that if you want monogamy and marriage and traditional stuff, you can't have it. It's just like, let's expand the menu and have more things to choose from. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions about non-monogamy, like, oh, it's for commitment phobes. I don't think that's true. Or like, oh, it's because you want to cheat. It really is like a lot of, it's more about communication really than like sleeping with multiple people. So anyway, I- I am in a monogamous marriage, but I'm certainly happy for people who want to explore non-monogamy. That's really great. And I love how open-minded you are. Uh, on that note, are you ready to uh, Let's answer do some it. questions? Yeah. All right. Welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker Hotline. How can we help you? Hello. Um, so I guess my ultimate question, and of course there's like, you know, a scenario behind it, but my question is, do you think that it's true? Cause this is sort of like the message that I've sort of just been taught and like has just sort of like been in my brain is that when a guy is interested in you, he, it will be very clear. He will make it known. Um, like there should be no confusion about it. Um, so that's my question, but this, the situation, and I guess why I have that, this question is um, last week I ran into a guy who for the past like since the summer we've just sort of like had these like little mini connections and like things through Instagram um, you know really just small these like small moments um, but we ran into each other at a networking event and just like exchanged pleasantries hi hello kind of that was it and then the next day he text me and was like, oh, it was so great to see you. Um, he was like, you looked great. I hope you had fun at the event. And so I responded and then he sent nothing back. So, you know, in my mind, I was like, well, why would he send that message? What does that mean? Like just, there was this confusion, but then I, you know, was thinking like, I don't know. So I, I don't know. It's just like a weird situation and I would like some advice. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about the first part of the question more than the exact scenario. So I'll start with that. I just would not make any assumptions that if a guy is interested, he knows how to act or how to show you that he's interested. I think most people are walking around extremely confused all the time. I think like most people are like pretty anxious, pretty depressed, pretty awkward. I think like we're living in a tough moment and I think everyone is sort of doing the best they can. I talk to so many confused guys who have no idea what they want, no idea how to express it, no idea if they're being charming or creepy. And I think we should (laughs) just assume that most people are pretty lost. So in that case, it's for the two people together to decide like, Hey, are we interested in each other? Or like, let's both put effort in, let's both flirt. I'm really a fan of it coming from both directions. And so I think there's probably so many missed opportunities you've had where you're like, if he were interested, he would have shown it. 
but he is interested, but he doesn't want to come on too strong or come across as creepy. So he's waiting for a message from you. You're waiting for a message from him. And then you're both alone. And so I would say, all right, um, if I'm interested in somebody, then I can, you know, flirt with them, make plans with them, whatever your scenario is with this person and really not assume it. And then I'm sure that Maria has talked many times about attachment theory here, and I don't need to go into it. But if you think about the fact that somebody might be avoidant attached or anxiously attached, there's so many ways that that stuff can show up, not as just straightforward interest in you. And so I would really just start from a place of humility of we're all doing the best we can. And if I like someone, I will make that clear not necessarily in the most overt way. It could be a subtle way, but to make them feel safe, like hitting on me or following up with me. So I think, um, yeah. Logan, you touch on this, this, this annoying quote going around and like the influencer community, which is like, if it's not a fuck, yes, it's a fuck. No. Or like, oh, you know, what I'm talking about. I haven't seen that, but like, I I have seen seen that that idea and I think it's annoying. That's like, it's so annoying because it gets rid of like all nuance that happens, especially in the beginning of like, when you meet someone, when you're like, oh my God, do they like me too? And it Mm -hmm. kind of, um, it makes me think a little bit of like, like certain scenarios. I mean, like you, I talk to like a lot of guys as well and they're they're Mm -hmm. just walking confused sticks. Mm -hmm. But, um, I think a lot about my husband and I know I have been told his flirting history by, so the person introduced us, <laughs> let me, let me take a step back. The person introduced us, uh, their couple, the girl of that couple, uh, worked for me. And before I met George, she would tell me about the, her friend. She, I don't remember if she said George, but I remember saying mm-hmm. her friend and he really likes this girl, not me. It was cause he had not met me. Yeah, yeah. He likes this girl, <laughs> but he doesn't know how to tell her that he likes her. And then he texts her and then she texts back, but he doesn't know what to do. And like, what's your advice? And I'm just like, can you just ask her to go out? Like, what's yeah. the deal here? You know, and of course he's introverted. Of course, not going to ask her out. Like he's nervous and people like George, they need people like me who are like, uh, yeah, dude, like we're going out. Like, so totally to go back to now the original question, like, how do I know or whatever? I don't know why in your specific example, I don't know why he messaged you, but what I do know is that if you like him, not if you're mm-hmm. confused about him, do you, let me ask mm-hmm. you a question. Do you like him? Yeah, I like him. I don't know him super well, but from <laughs> the times we've interacted, like I'm I'm really curious. I'd really like to get to know him more. So if I'm curious to get to know someone more, then I'm going to make it painfully fucking obvious that like I want to get to know them more. And there would be a follow-up text on that. So after I respond to them, I would say something like, hey, I was wondering if you, this is what I would say. It's I would respond to, mm-hmm. I would double text right away, which is, mm-hmm. you know, Hey, I actually would love to FaceTime you. Are you available in one hour or tomorrow at seven? I know that anyone listening to this, some of you are like cursing at me and rolling your <laughs> eyes, but the best part of this technique is that if he's into you, he's going to say yes. And yeah. that, at least that's what I think. Um, and if he's not, then Okay that's great. Less time being confused, I suppose. What do you think, Logan? Can I add one more thing? To oh the, yeah. Yeah. To give us the, the details. <laughs> so uh, one instance. So over the summer, um, our, I have a small business and we did this event together. And so that was sort of like one of the first, um, times we spent time together. But so a few months ago, we had this little back and forth on Instagram. I responded to his story. It was something about hiking. I was like, oh, I love hiking. We should hike sometime, which on my end, looking back, that was a very vague general response. But he said something like, that would be great. I'm actually leaving for a vacation um, in a few days. But once I get back, I would love to do that. And so that was that though. There like there's just no like follow up. It's just been these vague moments. So like So if I were you, it's just so you can know for mm-hmm. future reference. If I were you when he sends and for anyone listening, if someone sends you that message, the follow up text to that is when do you get back? Let's put something on the calendar now. Like make a plan, yeah, make a date. Yeah. I do the same thing to like, I have a guy who wants to become a client. And today he told me he's going on vacation and he's going to circle back in 10 days. And I was like, so what day is that? What day are you coming back? Like, I'm trying to lock this in. 
Um, so I, I know, I know people listening can't see this, but Logan is nodding. Yes. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm thinking I'm yeah. nodding actually skeptically. <laughs> oh, I love that. Tell me everything. I just think like, I have seen basically like I'm aligned with you, but I've also seen this backfire. Sure. So I spoke to a woman who told me that, um, you know, she lived in Boston, but she met this guy in New York that she was interested in. And so she would send him these really intense emails that were like, hey, I'm going to be in New York on these dates. Like, which of these are you free? And she went into this like calendar mode really quickly. And I Mm -hmm. do think that he had been into her. And I think that it just came across as like, she's showing up the way she shows up at work, like dating is work, but you shouldn't be your work persona. And like, it just got a little too business too quickly. So it's like, Maria, like, I feel like we've talked about the first messages that you've sent. Like, didn't you send your husband and like that cute selfie of yeah. you? Yeah, so yeah. it's like, you actually I have like, and remember that. of course oh. I remember everything you told me. You have an inherent flirtiness. You have a confidence. You have like a mojo. It's all about the so, emojis. That's all it is. So it has to come with it it can't be scheduling without mojo it it has to have both so don't go into like google calendar mode right away and and also don't send a fucking email like oh yeah yeah no gen z what what's email yeah might as well be a fax um thank you so much for your question yeah thank you for your both of your responses welcome to the ask a matchmaker hotline how can we help you hello um thank you both for for doing this um I guess I'm looking for some advice around like body image and dating, um, which I know is like maybe a loaded topic, but I am at a place right now where like I dated someone for most of last year who it, it was, was wonderful in many ways. And he was very affirming for me of like my body and how I look. And that felt like very, like a revelation for me. And I was devastated when the relationship ended in the fall. And I've worked a lot to get to a better place, but I'm also, I'm feeling very ready on the dating front, but I'm also like at the highest weight I've ever been. Like last year, I think I spent a lot of time going out to dinner with him and not doing other things. And then I also at the same time had some health issues that kind of affected things for a while. And even though I'm on an upswing overall, I don't want to feel like my weight and fitness is tied to dating. Like I'm not going to get on an app until I'm at this weight or whatever. I don't think that's great, but I feel really quite, can I say I feel shitty and can I use that word? Yeah. I feel shitty about my body right now. And I don't want to bring that into the dating sphere. I want to feel more confident. Oh my God. I have never related to something more. I totally know what she's going through. Like I remember being single. Yeah. I mean, I've even been married and like, you know, I gained a hundred pounds with my second kid, my first kid. And it's like a whole different body to like get used to. And then I remember being single at my highest. Um, this was like two years before I met my husband. And like you feel when you don't recognize your body, I feel like when you don't recognize your body, A, and then B societal push of certain body types. And it's way better now than it was when you and I were growing up in like the early two thousands, like the messaging that was being sent to us of like, what was acceptable body types. Yeah. But you feel like when you're swiping and no one's responding or the responses are minimal, um, or if you're out dating, I feel like, and I don't know if the caller agrees to this, but you kind of feel like you're not worthy of the attention either. Yeah. Or like, I think for me, it's been more like I made an effort to have a couple photos from the last few months specifically. Mm -hmm. And then it's really hard not to be like, oh, that's why I'm not getting Mm -hmm. like more decent matches. Um, I just feel like, like, yeah, it's just like, it feels like it colors a lot. It makes me, I don't feel confident. Like I'd love to meet meet guys like out outside of my phone. Um, And I have this overwhelming feeling of like, oh, they'll never look at me as someone who like dates, um, um, which I know is, is a ridiculous statement when I say it out loud, but it's how I feel. No. And how you feel is totally valid. Um, Logan, do you mind if I answer some of this question and then I'll let you. Do no, it? no, no. I'm loving it. I, I genuinely am here to also like hear what you have to say. So like, I'm not, oh, I, I don't it. need airtime. Yeah. I love it, Logan. Um, so as someone who has struggled with their weight and, um, was overweight, um, 
now I just feel like I'm a little overweight, but, um, when I was online dating back then I felt like, and I'm also five eleven, So I want to add that to the mix of body proportion here. I felt like online dating was torturing my psyche because it's very easy for someone to swipe away someone amazing because you're being compared on a list of other people next to you. Like the swipe, swipe, swipe. It's very easy. We, we all do it. We all swipe away perfectly nice people because we're like, oh, what's next? What's next? What's next? And one thing that helped me psychologically get more confident in dating was to stop online dating. I know I'm saying this with a person who works for Hinge on the pod, but it's an honest answer for me at least. And what helped a lot was actually getting involved in my community or doing fun events, like dating myself and meeting people this way and being out because then I realized like, holy shit, I'm smoking. Like I had no problem. And I'm, I know this is a personal experience and I don't know what your experience is, but I had no problem making new friends. And so like getting, and I know I'm extroverted. So I know I'm adding that to the list of like things that I have a privilege over, but going out and learning to date yourself can just bring you so many more opportunities than waiting around to see who's going to swipe on you too. And then who's going to message you back. And I felt like for my own psychology, having that sort of control over my own dating resilience was way more beneficial for me that. And also recognizing that like a lot of men don't have a body type type. We think they do because society tells us that they do, but there's a lot of men who don't have a type who are just like, I just want to be with someone who's happy and nice and nurturing and funny. And it's like, okay, well, here I am. And this is the packaging it comes in. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm worthy of love. What's coming to mind for me is that I've had clients of all different ages and types. And I have had clients that are like what society tells us is the most beautiful, stereotypically accepted look and feel body type, et cetera. And they are having a lot of trouble with dating. And then I've had clients who don't match the stereotypical accepted look, and they are experiencing something totally different. And basically what I'm trying to say is dating is hard for many people. And we can think about this as something that will hold you back. But I really liked what you said. Like, I'm not going to tie dating to like a weight loss goal. I'm not going to tie it to I'm only lovable when I'm only dateable when. And so I would just really hope that you can continue to channel that and say, somebody was super into me. Somebody was super attracted to me. That's going to happen again. The sooner that I get out there and meet people, the sooner it's going to happen again. And working on meeting people and exploration, connection, things like that, and understanding that Yeah, it happened. It will happen again. And the sooner that you put yourself out there, the sooner that it will happen again. And I'm proud of you for for not being a hesitator. I also want to add, I recently had um, a woman, I reviewed her Hinge profile on TikTok like a year and a half ago. And she, she's a bigger woman. Um, She's tall. She said in her, you know, she actually happened to be a black woman who lives in Portland. And I mentioned that because she mentions this in her success video. So she actually made a little video on TikTok saying, here's what she followed for my advice. And that's what got her in a relationship. And what was interesting is like, she just talked about how, like, she was really unapologetic of like who she is and what she's about. And that she was just, I'm incredibly worthy of someone spectacular because I'm spectacular. And that mindset, um, helped her navigate online dating and attracting someone really great because she could say stuff like you get to date me. You don't have to date me. And because you get to date me, um, like this should be fun for you. Like as well, like, it's like, cause I say this because someone in the chat while I've been talking wrote, um, I struggle with thoughts of, I don't understand why this guy's attracted to me when I look like this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very relatable question. I've been in that situation myself as well. And I, I'm sure many, many people have, but the truth is that I think also the media has tricked us into thinking that there is this only one way of being conventionally attractive when the reality is that that's actually not the case. That's what's being sold to us for some aesthetic, but that's not, that's not how this works. That's not how attraction necessarily is. 
Yeah. And there's, um, I did an event with Esther Perel and Dan Savage a few years ago, and we were talking about perfectionism in women. Mm -hmm. And um, Esther has this thing around how for men, a woman being turned on is the turn on. So it's like, if a woman's like interested in having sex, like that's a turn on for him. But for the woman, it's not like the man being turned on is the turn on. Like, she's not just going to like see somebody's heart and be like, great, let's do it. What's a turn on for her is really like her own internal narrative around being the turn on. Mm -hmm. And so like when you have a perfectionist mindset or when you're worrying about your weight or you didn't go to Pilates today or you ate the bagel in the cafe, whatever it was, you're really taking yourself away from being the object of desire and the turn on, and it will be harder for you to enjoy that moment, for you to feel sexual, for you to connect. And so really thinking about one of your goals in dating and in getting intimate with someone as really fostering that sense of I'm sexy. I'm the hottest person in this room. Like really the more that you can feel that, even though it's going to feel so fake and forced in the beginning, that really is tied to attraction and good sex and feeling connected to someone. Ooh, I have a homework assignment, um, for the caller and for anyone listening, um, pretend you, I want you to write a POV essay from the guy's perspective of when, like, think about your best sexual experience. You thinking about something? Okay. Yes. Yes. You think (laughs) about it. Okay. So tonight I want you to take a bath and I want you to get into their brain, pretend you're the guy for a second and write a POV essay to him about how that date went. And I'm telling you, it is like really sexy to start seeing yourself in the way someone else who just had a great sexual experience saw you because it'll make you think about the best parts of you and like, oh, what did he think when my back arched this way or when my nails went down his back this way? Or like, how did it feel for him? Like, you know, just certain elements that happen in a really fun sexual experience and you're not the viewer, someone else's like a little POV, it's like really hot and it'll make you feel sexy. Like I do that to myself all the time. Love it. I think that's a great idea. Great impromptu homework. Very interesting homework. I I appreciate that. And um, thank you both for everything that you said. That's a lot to think about. Absolutely. All right, let's go to our next question. Welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker hotline. How can we help you? Hi. Um, So I have been seeing this guy since December. Um, He, I, I really like him. Um, I am not great at like the sort of stage of a relationship where it's kind of, um, I don't know. I feel like I am at a point where I'm starting to feel anxious about what is this? And I'm not great at like initiating those kinds of conversations. Um, and I, uh, have kind of, I I've had some like other (laughs) things in my life that have made me anxious recently. And I feel like there's some spillover of like, I, it has made me more anxious about the relationship and, um, and I think that has affected honestly, the way that I have interacted with him. And so I, I don't know if you just have some, I feel like there's lots of, you know, advice out there about how to, how to have those conversations, but I feel like, um, I don't know. Is the conversation defining what it is? Uh, yeah. Okay. Logan. Yeah. What are you looking for? Cause I, I totally understand where you're coming from and it sounds like you have a lot on your mind. So it's probably hard to parse how you feel about him from how you're just feeling in general, but what, what would you like to happen? Um, I, I'd like it to like, keep moving forward. I'd like to see him more often and, um, like, be a bigger, I'd like for him to be a bigger part of my life and to be kind of more integrated into each other's lives. I love that answer. I feel like it's, it's not focused on labels. It's not focused on exclusivity even necessarily. Like, that's not what I heard you say. What I heard you say is like, I want to increase the momentum. I want to see where this can go. And so you have a few choices. So one 
is you could bring it up in a slightly more formal way where you could use an intro like my friends at work are asking what I should call you or um, I'd really like for you to meet my friends this weekend. Like, what should I call you? Something that's more label focused. And then you that can be a lead into a conversation around like the woo woo, the what's up with us. And then you can explore, oh, have you deleted the apps? Are you seeing other people? All of that. You could also just say what you're looking for and not necessarily get into a more formal conversation. So that might sound like, um, you know, I'm really enjoying hanging out. And I'd love to see you like more during the week. Like, what are you doing on Tuesday or something like that? Like just making it more about the goals. The number one thing I would say here is that in general, I think more data is better and it's very empowering. So a big mistake that people make is like, they want to be exclusive, but they don't bring it up because they're afraid of being rejected. And then six months later, they find out the other person never was interested in that and has been seeing other people and you feel like you wasted your time. And so even if you bring something up and you get an answer that you don't want, it's better to have that information than to like hope for the best and avoid a potentially difficult conversation and then feel like I wish, you know, I wish I had known this earlier. Logan, can I ask you as a follow-up to your answer, which I think is a really great answer, but I'm wondering like, you know, you posed it as like my friends at work are asking what we are. And I think that's like a really nice segue, but Do you ever also recommend like just kind of revealing like, Hey, I really like you. And I think think we need to talk about what this is. Like, I I think that's great. And I like, love how you're pushing people to be more bold. I think I definitely gave one that that was more coy. I think it is more bold. It's more bold. I think that people feel, you know, just think about human conversation. Like when we say to someone, um, I want to talk to you about something, but I feel nervous about it. We do a lot of preamble. And I actually think it's good because it's setting somebody up for something. So I'm okay if people, you know, why do people like text templates and things like that? I think sometimes we're nervous. Like in an ideal world, we'd all walk around being like, I am sexually attracted to you. Would you like to go out? (laughs) But that's not really like how we speak. We're not robots. And we sometimes do need these like coy little intros, but yes, if you are listening and you feel comfortable saying to someone like, Hey, I'm into you, let's make this official or let's do this for real. That's great. Yeah. And I'm more asking like, if you can, if it's better just reveal like more of like expectations, like, you know, I've been like, for instance, I guess like I think about sometimes like revealing like what you are hoping out of this interaction. And it's funny you called it bold, but to me, it's like more of like, it does come up, you know, people are having, you know, you're going for a walk with someone, you're on a drive with someone, you're out to dinner and you're like, it, it, it does naturally come up of like, Oh, what is this? And not maybe in those words, but sort of like, well, you know, I would really like if someone asked me on a date, like, why do you think you haven't entered a relationship yet? I feel like that's an opportunity to talk about like your expectations. So if someone mm-hmm. asks you on like a second date, how has hinge been working for you? What, what, what has been your struggle? I feel like that's an oppor- not an opportunity to like shit on hinge. It's an opportunity to reveal like some expectations. So for me, if someone asked me that question, I would say something like, well, you know, I just haven't found someone, um, that, you know, is, uh, shares in my values that I would want to be an exclusive relationship with that I could also call my boyfriend. So I'm sort of setting the expectation of like, I am looking for exclusive relationship that he will be my boyfriend but we have to share the same values. And it might open that conversation to like, mm. well, what are your values? What have you been looking for? And now suddenly becomes this, org- like, that's like a simple question that now suddenly becomes this organic conversation of like, let me tell you a little bit more about my values. Let me tell you more about like how I see the next. And it's not like this force, like business meeting. It's actually a bit of a vulnerable conversation of revealing, but this is, this is Maria talking though. I know I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I think pushing people in general to just be, yeah, to to take it away from negotiation and more towards, you know what? Negotiation is you versus me. Yeah. And how can we be on the same team? How right. can we be two people who are excited about each other and want to build something as opposed to any sort of like strategy or game? And I think really, how can we think about ourselves on the same team and come at it from that place? is generally like good advice for most conversations. But I think in general, like in in general, good conversation has to do with like sharing. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much like what you just said, you versus me. It's like, no, let's 
this is, this is what I hope for a relationship. I will have one day. I know I will have this relationship one day. This is what I hope. And hopefully that person might also be like, oh my God, wouldn't that be wonderful if I found that too? Like it's a little bit, it's more about like sharing and like our expectations, but um, I'm just like thinking back to like, ah, it doesn't matter. Um, hope, did we answer your question? Yeah, I think so. Um, what else yeah. do you need? Tell well, us I, you just need. Have, I just have a hard time and I've done uh, this has been the case with like other people I've dated um, where I just like have a hard time making it making the conversation happen like we will hang out with like we went for a hike last weekend and we had a good time we had a lot of really good conversations um and I had like thought about this prior to that and I just kind of chickened out I feel like and I I don't know I mean I that I think that was good advice and I appreciate it um (laughs) How many dates have you been on? Uh, like a lot. Um, I mean, it's been like two and a half months. I'm oh, I'm right. Okay. Been on. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe we should end on this one and I can just give like my final pep talk, which is like, hope this is your life. It's happening. It's <laughs> unfolding in front of you. Like it's not going to get easier to bring things up. It's only going to get harder. This is a skill, like practice it with this person. If it doesn't work out, that's okay. You had the experience, but you know that you are holding yourself back from having a hard conversation. And there's a Tim Ferriss quote, which is our life is measured by the number of difficult conversations that we have. So go have a difficult conversation. It won't be that bad. Worst case scenario, you don't see this person again, and then you can move on to the next one. But really just waiting around for life to happen is never a good strategy. Hmm. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) All right. I'm rooting for you. Logan, that was awesome. Thank you so much for coming to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Such a cool experience. Loved all of your community and participating and of course, learning from you. I admire you so much. Like listening to your answers, I am like obsessed with you because you just come from such a different perspective and (laughs) I love it. I, it's so, I just so appreciate you so much. Um, And I'm so happy you were able to come on the hotline. Thanks for having me. Okay. To be continued until the next one. To be continued until the next one. I love that you said that. And I will see you hopefully, hopefully our paths will cross in real life pretty soon. Perfect. And if you are not, go follow Logan Yuri on Instagram. It's at Logan Yuri. I'll put the link in the show notes too. So make it easier. Logan, thank you so much. And thank you. We need to promote or should I put your, yeah, people can, yeah, people can join my newsletter, which I sent out on Thursdays, Logan's love letter. And it's really where I send out the latest stuff that I'm thinking about dating. I love it. I love it. Okay. Until next time. Bye. Bye. And thank you for listening to the ask a matchmaker podcast in the show notes. You'll find more information about today's special guest my co-host, Logan Yuri. You'll also see a few links. So the first link is if you want to work with me and my team, there's a link there to schedule a dating strategy call. Highly recommend you do it. If you want to do a virtual coaching program, our agape intensive, the link's right there too. You can sign up for that. And a link to pre-register for our next retreat in Tulum this fall is there as well. So if you pre-register, uh, you'll be notified first when registration opens up in a couple months. Thanks again for listening. Uh, It's always an honor to get your questions. And until the next hotline and until next week, be lovable, but more importantly, be likable. See you next week. Bye.